here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. There were some fireworks at the Senate Judiciary Committee today, a hearing involving the, uh, the most political and, I believe, intellectually corrupt attorney general in modern American history, Meritless Garland. And uh, there were some questions. I thought... Uh, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and uh, Mike Lee, Lindsey Graham was good. And I want you to hear this because the truth is most of you are working or you're out and you're not watching these hearings. But uh, this guy is so bad. So bad. And so we will start with this. We've got a lot of other things going on here. Uh, Iran is 12 days away, according to a top U.S. official, 12 days away. From having uh, from the ability to make a nuclear weapon, a bomb. Twelve days away. And this is a Defense Department, a top Defense Department official, Under Secretary of Defense for Policy, Colin Call. So we'll get into that. I don't believe I've heard this on any major network. It's a shocking thing that this gets such little play. But let's take a look at this. Merrick, Meritless Garland at a hearing today, United States Senate. Ted Cruz, cut one, go. Has the Department of Justice brought even a single case under this statute? It's a yes, no question. It's not a give a speech on the other things you did. The job of the United States Marshals is to defend the lives so of the So the answer ju- is no. It's to defend the lives of the justices, and that's their number one priority. They have Why full- are you unwilling to say no? The answer is no. You know it's no. I know it's no. Everyone in this, in this hearing room knows it's no. 
you're not willing to answer a question. Have you brought a case under this statute? Yes or no? As far as I know, we haven't. And what we have done is defended the lies of the justices with so how the do 70 you decide, U.S. Marshals. How do you decide which criminal statutes the, the DOJ enforces and which one it doesn't? The United States Marshals know that they have full okay, you, I recognize you want to give a separate speech. No, I don't want to How give do a... you decide which statutes you enforce and which ones you don't? The Marshals on scene make that determination in light of the priority of defense. The Marshals do not make a determination over whether to prosecute you. The Attorney General make a determination, and you spent 20 years as a judge, and you're perfectly content with justices being afraid for their children's lives. And you did nothing to prosecute it. Let's shift that, to another is, area. Can I answer the question? You, no, the, you the cannot. General, you have refused to answer the I question. I am answering your question. The Attorney General choose, does not decide whether to arrest. How did you choose not to, not to enforce this statute? The marshals on scene. Marshals don't make that decision. They do make the decision of whether to make to an prosecute arrest. prosecute someone? No, they don't. If they make a, uh, if they make Marshals a, do not if, have prosecution. If they make an arrest, right, then it goes let's to the marshals. Topics. He's such a liar, this Attorney General. Ted knows, I know as a former chief of staff to an attorney general, a marshal does not make prosecutorial decisions. They can make recommendations. The marshal doesn't have control over the process. And this attorney general knows it. And of course, what Ted's talking about, what Senator Cruz is talking about there is the, the lack of a single prosecution of anybody for threatening justices threatening and trying to influence their decision-making with these endless protests and loud bullhorns and all the rest, which is a violation of federal law. There's a federal statute, and not a single person has been prosecuted. Meanwhile, they've so far rounded up a 1,000 people from January 6th, including hundreds and hundreds, the vast majority, who didn't do anything violent. And so... Garland has no answer. Because what he's done here is outrageous. Political. Cut to go. We've also seen across the country violent attacks as pregnancy centers by similar left-wing terrorist groups, including one, one graffiti of a, of a firebomb building said Jane was here. There have been attacks all over the country. And yet, the Department of Justice has not brought these violent criminals to justice. You contrast that. If you're a violent criminal and you attack a crisis pregnancy center, that is not a priority in the Biden Department of Justice. Contrast that to Mark Houck, who's a pro-life activist. He's a sidewalk counselor. And... He had an altercation with someone who allegedly interfered with his son's personal space and threatened his son, and he pushed him. Now, in an ordinary world, pushing someone would be maybe a simple misdemeanor assault, but not under the Biden Department of Justice. If you're a pro-life activist, what can you expect? Well, in this instance, according to Mr. Houck's wife, Two dozen agents clad in body armor and ballistic helmets and shields and a battering ram showed up at his house pointing rifles at his family. Why do you send two dozen agents in body armor 
to arrest a sidewalk counselor who happens to be pro-life, but you don't devote resources to, count pe- to, to prosecute people who are violently firebombing crisis pregnancies. It is a priority of the department to prosecute and investigate and find the people who are doing those firebombings. They are doing it at night and in secret, so, and we have, found two, we have found one group, which we did prosecute. You we found are, one. How many have there been? How many attacks? There have been a lot, and if you have any information specifically as to who those people are, we would be glad to have Did you personally authorize 20 agents going to Mr. Houck's house, and he uh, offered to turn himself in through counsel, but you didn't want that. The Department of Justice wanted to make a show of it. Did you personally authorize it? And do you want to apologize to Mr. Mrs. Houck and her seven children for being terrorized? The decisions about how to do that are made at the level of the uh, FBI agents on scene. Did and you know about the- it? I did not know about it until uh, the way you're describing it. And my understanding is the FBI disagrees with that description. Well, the next time Christopher Ray is before this committee... He needs to get a real anal exam. This guy, Christopher Ray, he plays the dummy. He's always talking into his loafers. His chin is always on his chest. He's always looking down or looking askance. Uh, and then he hides behind. Uh, those are tactics and practices. I can't repeat. I can't speak. It's Congress, you jerk. They have oversight responsibility. What do you mean you can't tell Congress what you're doing? Then Congress needs to slash their budget. Until they squeal like pigs. Because it's time to get to the bottom of this. And to expose it. All of it. Or we're not going to have a country anymore. And good for Ted Cruz. That was fantastic. Now Josh Hawley. Cut three, go. Attorney General Garland, let, let me just ask you, d- does your department have a problem with anti-Catholic bias? Uh, our department um, is, uh, 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 protects all religions um, and all ideologies. It does not have uh, any uh, bias against any religion of any kind. Well, you could have surprised me because given the resources that you are expending and the apparently intelligence assets that you are deploying against Catholics, it appears, and other people of faith, while simultaneously turning a blind eye while people are executed gang style on the streets of our cities, including in my home state, your answer frankly surprises me. Let's talk about the Mark Houck case, for example. You've been asked about this already today, and frankly, your answers really astound me. This is a case where a Catholic pro-life demonstrator, father, was accused of disorderly conduct in front of an abortion center, The local prosecutor, the Philadelphia district attorney, who is a Democrat, a liberal, very progressive, declined to prosecute. There was a private suit that got dismissed. And then after all of that, your Justice Department sent between 20 and 30 armed agents in the early morning hours to the Houck's private residence to arrest this guy after... He had offered to turn himself in voluntarily. Here's the photo. Once again, you can see the long guns. You can see the ballistic shields. You can see that they're wearing bulletproof vests. Why did the Justice Department do this? Why did you send 20 to 30 SWAT-style agents and a SWAT-style team to this guy's house when everybody else had declined to prosecute and he'd offered to turn himself in? 
determinations of how to make arrests under arrest warrants are made based uh, by the tactical operators um, in the uh, district. They are not but you surely looked into it by this point, right? You, you know the answer, surely. They, all I know is what uh, the FBI has said, which is that they made decisions on the ground as to what was safest and easiest. So you do not agree with your description of what happened on the scene. You don't agree with my description. I'm pointing out what the photo is. There are agents here who have long guns and ballistic shields. I don't agree. I don't agree. No. With your description. And the man was found innocent, by the way. Even in federal court. Even in federal court. Federal court. So the district attorney in Philly, who's a loathsome piece of you-know-what, wouldn't take the case. The case brought before a judge, a civil case, was dismissed by the judge right at the top. And then he wins a jury trial in federal court. I don't agree with the description, and the phone. I don't agree. Unbelievable. Cut four, go. I notice a pattern, though. The FBI field office in Richmond, on the 23rd of January of this year, issued a memorandum in which they advocated for, and I quote, the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development against traditionalist Catholics. It's their, their language including those who favor the Latin Mass. Attorney General, are you cultivating sources and spies in Latin Mass parishes and other Catholic parishes around the country? No, the Justice Department does not do that. It does not um, um, do investigations based on religion. I saw the document you have. What did it's you do about appalling. it? It's appalling. I'm in complete agreement with you. I understand that the FBI has withdrawn it. How did it happen? That's what they're looking into. But I'm totally in agreement with you. That document is appalling. I'll tell you how it happened. The, this memorandum, which is supposed to be intelligent, cites extensively the Southern Poverty Law Center, which goes on to identify all of these different Catholics as being part of hate groups. Is, is this how the FBI, under your direction and leadership, is, is this how they do their intelligence work? They look, they look at left-wing advocacy groups to target Catholics? Is this what's going on? I mean, clearly it is. How is this happening? The FBI is not targeting Catholics. And, and as I've said, this is an, uh, an inappropriate memorandum, and it doesn't reflect the methods that the FBI is supposed to be using. It should not be relying on any single organization without doing its own work. And yet, as Senator Hawley has pointed out, there's a whole pattern here. And great job by Senator Hawley. Great job. Now it's Mike Lee's turn, Senator from Utah. Do we have any time, Rich? Cut five, go. In 2022 and for the first couple of months of 2023, DOJ has announced charges against 34 individuals for blocking access to or vandalizing abortion clinics. And there have been over 81 reported attacks on pregnancy centers. Um, 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 clinics, whether a pregnant uh, uh, resource, uh, whether they are a pregnancy resource center uh, or whether they are an abortion center. It applies equally in both cases, and we apply uh, the law equally. 
Um, I will say you are quite right. There are many more prosecutions with respect uh, to the um, um, blocking of the uh, um, of the abortion centers, but that is generally because they are uh, those actions are taken in, uh, with photography at the time. Um, uh, during the daylight, and uh, seeing the person who did it is uh, quite easy. Um, the, those who are attacking the pregnancy resources centers, uh, which is a, a horrid thing to do, are doing this at night um, in the dark. We have put full resources on this. Uh, we have uh, uh, asked, uh, put uh, um, uh, rewards out for this. Mm-hmm. Well, you've done a crappy job somehow there, Mr. Garland. But you were able to track everybody on January 6th all over the country. I got more. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. You're getting a sense through his own words and through fantastic questioning by these senators, quite frankly, of who Merrick Garland is and how he's a lifetime bureaucrat dodging and weaving, whether a judge or prosecutor or whatever. He knows how to prosecute. He was involved in the uh, Oklahoma City bombing prosecution. They haven't prosecuted a single person. People who've been trying to influence the outcome of decisions by harassing Supreme Court justices at their home and their families. Some of them having to leave and getting additional protection. The idea that he's blaming the U.S. Marshals, he's literally blaming the U.S. Marshals, is unbelievable. And Christopher Ray has a lot to answer for with that stupid look on his face. I'll be right back. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? 
they'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. Let's get back to this. The unbelievably appalling Attorney General Merrillis Garland at a Senate hearing today. And I just hope this FBI director gets grilled and grilled hot when his day comes. Graham wants to know, why are you sending biological males into female prisons? Cut seven, go. When it comes to federal prisons, are you aware that 1,200 prisoners are requesting to be sent from a male prison to a female prison? Uh, I'm not, no. Okay. Uh, What is our policy when it comes to allowing a male prisoner to be transitioned into a female prison? I think if you're generally asking the question of how um, uh, trans people are dealt with in the Bureau of Prisons, my understanding um, is that these are uh, determinations about um, uh, where they're placed or where people are placed in general have to do with individualized determinations regarding the security of that individual um, and the management of the prison. These are done on a case-by-case basis. That's my understanding. Are you aware of any policy guidelines that they use to make that determination? I think there is a policy guideline along the lines that I just said that, that they I are. Would, I would like for the Bureau of Prisons to send it to us. Are you concerned that if a biological male is sent to a female prison, that could be a risk to female prisoners? I think every uh, uh, person in prison has to be dealt with uh, with dignity and respect. Uh, that determinations of the safety questions you're talking about have to be made on an individualized basis uh, oh, and not boy. categorically. Here's a question for you, Dimwit. Isn't it more likely if you send biological males into female prisons that females will be molested? to the point of rape, otherwise brutalized. Isn't it more likely that that'll happen than less likely? (laughs) Cut eight, go. Mexican drug cartels, should they be uh, designated foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law? Yeah, I think it's the the same answer I gave before. They are already uh, designated in any number of ways and sanctioned by the Treasury. Would you oppose... Some of us trying to make them foreign terrorist organizations. I wouldn't oppose it. But again, um, I want to point out their diplomatic concerns. We need the assistance of Mexico in this and designating. Is Mexico helping us effectively with our fentanyl? They are helping us, but they could do much more. There's no question about that. Well, if this is helping, I would hate to see what not helping looks like. So the bottom line for me is they're not helping and we need to up our game when it comes to fentanyl. I don't know. We got to look at the diplomatic issues here. I know it's costing us a hundred thousand lives a year, and I know the drug cartels are working with the communist Chinese, and uh, I know that it's destroying a young generation of people. And I know all these things are happening, but we have to concern ourselves with our diplomatic situation. 
our diplomatic situation with the government of Mexico. Are you an idiot? Our diplomatic situation is resulting in the death of 100,000 Americans every year. Do you hear this guy? And uh, it's like they're on the wrong side of every issue. Whether it's fentanyl, whether it's sending men into women's prisons, the refusal to prosecute anybody who's violated a federal statute respecting the uh, protesting and harassing and trying to influence justices and their decisions. This guy was an appellate judge. He was a chief judge in Washington, D.C. And uh, what about it? Uh, diplomacy. So he's asked, should these cartels be designated terrorist organizations? That same question was asked by Brett Baird to Christopher Ray on Fox News yesterday. If they're not terrorist organizations, ladies and gentlemen, what is? They don't have a problem calling domestic terrorists, using that phrase over and over and over again. I mean, they even applied it to uh, Catholics. Well, that was inappropriate. Uh, yes, that was very inappropriate. Cut nine, Christopher Ray and Brett Baer, go. On immigration, do you believe the cartels should be designated as terrorist organizations? Well, I do believe that the cartels represent a significant threat, and we have hundreds. The FBI has look hundreds. How they of- all, look how they all won't answer a direct question. You had a direct question. Should they be designated or not? Go ahead. Go into cartel leadership, and I'm interested in, in all appropriate legal tools that will help us go after them. We are going after them. Obviously, we're not responsible for the physical security at the border, but we recognize that the threats emanating from the border are serious, uh, and we're determined to do our part as a team effort to combat those threats. Team effort? Well, the quarterback of the team, Dizzy, uh, Dizzy Biden there, Dizzy Joe Biden, he's not interested in doing a damn thing. That's effective. He's not doing anything that's effective. <sighs> wow. All right. I want you to hear this, too, from a hearing today. You've heard me talk about it, but it was very good to hear Ken Buck talk about it. And they're at a hearing today, and he brings up this issue of abortion until birth. Abortion until birth. The Democrats oppose legislation that would put an end to abortion after birth, an end to abortion that's right there. At the birth canal. And we use this phrase, late-term abortion. As you know, I use the phrase infanticide as well. But I want you to listen to Congressman Buck of Colorado. Cut six, go. Every state has legalized abortion. Some states, unbelievably, and, and my state is one of them, and I'm thoroughly embarrassed that my state is one of them, has abortion up until the time of birth. 
Now, let's just make sure we understand something, because we use terms like late-term abortion, and it's, and it's so polite. And it's, and it's it, you know, you could go to a cocktail party and you could talk about late-term abortion and not really offend anybody. You're talking about ripping the arms off of a unborn baby, and then the legs, and then the head, a beating heart, a central nervous system that is fully functional, and all of you sit on that side and suggest that we are in favor of a ban on abortion, I'll tell you something the American people aren't in favor of. They aren't in favor of ripping the arms off of a baby and the legs and the head and pulling that baby out as if it was some group of cells. That baby is a living human being. It just happens to be inside of its mother at the time. That's disgusting. That's not what America stands for. What what has the Democrat Party become, ladies and gentlemen? They don't even say abortion should be rare. They say abortion on demand. What has it become in the Democrat Party? It's a short step from eugenics to partial birth abortion. He's just described to you something you will never see on TV. That's happening all over this country. You'll never see a documentary on PBS. You'll never hear it discussed by the comedians, so-called, on late night. They'll never provide pictures of this. There'll never be a documentary on this. I've talked about this before. It's the biggest cover-up there ever was. The biggest cover-up there ever was, and the Democrat Party supports this. They don't believe in any limits on abortion. It's a woman's right. Woman's right. What about the female baby's right? What about human life? We don't treat animals this way, nor should we. Nor should we. How about a humane society for human beings? Wouldn't that be nice? A humane society for humans. I don't care what your faith is or if you have faith. But the idea that you have an entire political party lined up behind this this horrific mangala-like practice of late-term abortion or after-birth abortion is just unbelievable. And then we're told if you don't get on the right side of this, If you don't join the Democrats in this, you can't win an election. Well, then screw the elections. I'll be right back.
I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. You see Ron DeSantis' book is staying up at number one on Amazon. That is very, very good. Daily, very good, as far as I'm concerned. You remember, folks, um, I talked about at length yesterday this child labor issue. This child labor issue that has resulted from the immigration policies such as they are of this administration. In the New York Times, no friend of Republicans in the House or the Senate or Donald Trump, the reporter who deserves a Pulitzer, the reporter even said that 2021 saw a a huge projection upwards of child labor. And this administration has lost track of a third of these children, tens of thousands of them. Has no idea where they are, what's being done to them. The prior administration, President Trump, they were accused of separating children from their parents. And the Trump administration said over, over, over again, we don't even know if they are their parents. We've got to try and vet this and figure it out, you know. It's not so easy. They're not in our computer systems. They don't have social security cards. So it takes a little bit. No, 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 no. You're putting them in cages. AOC went down there and she was her normal, stupid Marxist self. The media tried to peg Trump for putting kids in cages, which is so pathetic. And yet these little kids are housed in horrific conditions on the border as a result of this administration. And those who are processed out, well, many of them are released, and they're just released. And they're doing these horrific jobs 12 hours a day, plus going to school. Many of them are dropping out. They're working till 2, 3 in the morning. They're being abused by corporatists. We have child labor laws in this country. And this administration doesn't give a crap. The media in America, other than that one story... They don't give a crap either. Where's Maggot Haberman busy chasing Donald Trump? That's her, her true love, I think. She's obsessed with him. Where's Jeremy and his Peters? He's busy uh, uh, fostering a revolt over there with the union at the, uh, 
at the New York Slimes. Where's Philip Bump? Where he usually is? Sitting on his fat butt eating donuts, I guess. We don't know. But Joy Reid on MSLSD, she is the answer. You see, they're never going to fire Joy Reid, despite the despite the early stories that were out about six months ago that she'd be gone in March. She's not gone anywhere. Because they got rid of this Tiffany Cross, who's a racist, radical leftist. That's just my opinion. And, you know, all the noisemakers and the and the front groups and all the rest came to her defense, as you would expect. Same thing would happen with Joy Reid. Joy Reid should never have been hired in the first place, given her long trail of racism and bigotry and homophobic posts. Homophobic posts, and there she is on MSLSD. So when we return, of course, she blames the rise of child labor on Donald Trump for deregulating child labor laws. Next thing you know, she'll say that the reason the train had an accident with one of its overheating ball bearings in Palestine, Ohio, is because of Donald Trump. Uh, but that's not possible. We've already looked at that. And Joe Scarborough has egg on his face, although he doesn't know it. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You know, today is one of those days, America, where there's just too much going on that's crucially important. I've decided, I've made an executive decision, and I've directed myself, forget about Joy Reid tonight. Just forget about her. She's not even a footnote to a footnote to a footnote in anything. But this is a big deal. This is from Reuters. How many of you heard about this? Iran can make visible material for a bomb in about 12 days, U.S. officials said. Iran could make enough Faisal for one nuclear bomb that is fizzle. For one nuclear bomb in about 12 days, a top U.S. Defense Department official said on Tuesday, down from the estimated one year it would have taken while the 2015 Iran nuclear deal was in effect. Now that's Reuters because they're sick. Because they're sick. But anyway, Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, Colin Call made the comment to a House of Representatives hearing when pressed by a Republican lawmaker why the Biden administration had sought to revive the deal, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. He said, because Iran's nuclear progress since we left has been remarkable. Back in 2018, when the previous administration decided to leave the deal, it would have taken about 12 months to produce one bomb's worth of material. Now it would take about 12 days. That's their answer? That's their answer? Donald Trump had his foot on the throat of the Iranian regime. Their economy was crumbling. There's still protests going on, led by 
by young ladies today as I speak. But Biden has tried and tried to breathe life back into that Obama-Iran deal that ensured Iran would get nuclear weapons. You think the Israelis are stupid? You think the Saudi Arabians are stupid? Do you think the Egyptians are stupid? None of them wanted the deal, and none of them, like Biden negotiating through Putin with the Iranian regime. I'm pretty certain there's going to be a breakout, some kind of war at some point here. I don't think there's any question about that. Shouldn't there be a little bit more attention paid to this? Yeah, I think there should be. But there's not. And by the way, the radical leftists in Israel rising up. Uh, They had a day of something or other today supposedly going on. They're very violent. They're trying to block members of their Knesset from from actually getting to the Knesset and doing their jobs. The media, the, uh, the other parties are trashing the majority party because they're trying to bring the judiciary in line with the judiciary of most democracies. Now, I've heard some of my friends, I won't name them so as not to embarrass them, who said that uh, this goes too far or to slow down because it doesn't fit with the, uh, the American system. For instance, in the American system, the Congress doesn't have the power to override the Supreme Court, and then you lose minority rights. The problem in Israel isn't minority rights. The problem is in, in Israel is majority rights. The problem in Israel is democracy. So it's not the same problem. When you have a tyrannical court that destroys separation of powers, that enables 15 15 lawyers, really a panel of lawyers, three lawyers at a time, to make military strategic decisions, to make all kinds of decisions unrelated to what any court does, you've got to rein that court in. So it's not about minority rights. It's about, in this case, majority rights not being respected, the elected government not being respected. Furthermore, in Israel, there's no party that has control over that country. Their system, unfortunately, in many respects, is like the Italian parliamentary system. You've got to cobble together parties in order to have a government. So even Likud represents about, what, 34, 35, 36 seats out of 120, and they pulled together a coalition of of governments, right of center, religious group uh, uh, parties, and so forth. And so they have a way for minorities to be represented as minority parties in their system. So even if it's a relatively small party, they have three, four, five delegates or members to the Knesset. They may be crucial. In fact, The minority in Israel has enormous amount of power because these elections are so are so tight from time to time. So it's not about minority rights. It's about democracy and majority rights when it comes to the state of Israel, when it comes to the system of government that they have. So there's that. And then the idea that maybe you do one of these policies at a time. You can't do one policy at a time. Because every one of the policies is under attack. So I don't think it's particularly helpful when Americans go over there and, in my view, say things that undermine what they're trying to do over there. 
Nothing they're doing over there will lead to any kind of tyranny. Nothing that they're doing over there will destroy democracy. Quite the opposite. I've studied every one of these proposals. I've even talked to the author, Mr. Rothman, about these various proposals. Some of them, I think, make sense even here in the United States. And I think it's very important. And they don't have impeachment of judges in Israel either. So they have no way of of removing a judge if a judge goes rogue. We do here if we choose to use it. We don't, but we do have it. They don't. So there's not a perfect symmetry. I'm just saying that I think the plan that's been proposed by by the various elements on the right there is a excellent plan. In many respects, our judiciary is out of control. If you read the Liberty Amendments, you'll see some of the suggestions I have there. That a supermajority of both houses of Congress or a supermajority of the state legislatures, that is three-fifths, can vote to hold null and void a decision of the Supreme Court. Now, why? Because the body politic needs to be involved without creating a mob, without a mobocracy. Well, you say, yeah, but, but in Israel, they're not proposing a three-fifths. They're proposing a simple majority. Yes, but you have to get the support of other parties. The Republicans don't have to do that. The, the, the Likud does, because Likud members enough are not a, are, Likud members alone are not enough. So I don't want to get bogged down on this. I'm just making a point that some of the criticism is really, I, I think, uninformed and not particularly useful, as far as I'm concerned. Hey, but why does my opinion matter? Here we are killing our coal industry, killing our fossil fuel industry, driving up the cost of fuel, whether it's home heating, oil, whether it's natural gas, whether it's electricity, or gasoline for your car. And of course, the biggest population on the face of Earth belongs to China. The second biggest economy now on the face of the Earth, right on our heels, belongs to China. And here we have from the Daily Caller, China's approving new coal plants at breakneck speed as the Biden administration pushes to shut U.S. generators down. This is how you lose a country, our country. This is how you take a country from being a superpower to being a begging power, begging for energy. John Hugh Demostri China approved, you ready, 168 coal-fired power plants in 2022. The most rapid expansion of the country's coal-fired power capacity since 2015, according to a report by the Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air and the Global Energy Monitor Monday. Now, let me ask you a question. How many coal-fired power plants have we approved? None. Chinese companies began constructing 50 gigawatts worth of coal-fired power capacity in 2022, more than triple the rest of the world put together, and spiking 50% from 2021, according to the report. Conversely, Joe Biden's signature Inflation Reduction Act, which is really the Destroy Capitalism and Prosperity Act, it's a climate change law, is expected to lead to the retirement 
not just opposed to building, the retirement of 30 gigawatts to 60 gigawatts of U.S. coal-fired power plants by 2030, making it more difficult for coal to compete with renewables. So they will drive the use of coal to create energy down so far that the 1% or 2 or 3% of energy that's created by solar energy will outpace the energy created by coal. China continues to be the glaring exception to the ongoing global decline in coal plant development. The speed at which projects progressed through permitting to construction in 2022 was extraordinary, with many projects sprouting up, gaining permits, obtaining financing, breaking ground in a matter of months. This kind of process leaves little room for proper planning or consideration of alternatives. This is a, a, a military regime. This is a genocidal regime. They're not looking at alternatives. They're taking what they have, and they're saying, okay, we're going to produce a lot of energy. We're going to produce it for our people so they don't rise up against us. We're going to produce it for our military. We want to be energy self-sufficient. We've got coal, so coal, coal it is. So be it. The Biden EPA is expected to introduce a slew of six new regulations, which range from tougher mercury and air toxicity rules to stricter groundwater waste limits, expected to accelerate the pace of coal plant retirements. One rule, which will limit pollution crossing state lines, could force 23 gigawatts of coal-fired power offline by 2025 alone, said Rich Nolan, president of the National Mining Association. This is uh, suicide. I mean, it all comes back to economics, Ken King, associate director of the Rhodium Group, said. You know, at some point you stop deciding to invest in a plant that you have to keep putting more and more money into just to keep it running. It's increasingly uneconomic in the market. Well, that's what they're doing. They have decided to interfere in the market system. They're killing coal as an energy source, destroying it. Uh, They're killing oil as an energy source by preventing the building of pipelines and drilling in potentially uh, uh, in areas that that are potential oil where potential oil reserves exist. China's response for roughly half of all coal consumption and production in the world. And the expansion of coal capacity runs counter to President Xi Jinping's stated goals of having carbon emissions by 2030 and hitting net zero by 2060, Bloomberg reports. Again, they signed a deal with Great Britain over Hong Kong, and then they took over Hong Kong anyway. They don't live up to these deals. What? Are people out of their minds? Biden made a claim in November, a midterm campaign event, coal plants were economically unreliable. The U.S. would be shutting these plants down, I quote him, all across America and having wind and solar, the New York Times reported. Really, where are we getting all this wind and solar? Anybody know? How many more whales do we need to kill? You want to see those massive propellers on these platforms? Massive. Hundreds and hundreds of them. When you're looking out from your condo or your $25 million home on the East Coast, 
and on the west coast and on the southeast coast suddenly the environmental aspects of any of this they don't matter and of course they break down and they're backed up with fossil fuel and they're killing birds and they're killing whales and nobody cares but we conservatives isn't this amazing it's amazing by the way, we have two great guests on this Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Live In. Two great guests. Nicholas Wade. I don't have to bring on famous names all the time, do I? Who's Nicholas Wade? He was the first expert to point to the Wuhan lab. The first one. You have all these, these hacks on TV and radio trying to point to themselves. He was the first one. He wrote the piece in May 5, 2021. It wasn't a surmise. He did all the analysis in the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. This man is a Nobel laureate. This man is no right winger. He wrote for Nature. He wrote for Science Magazine. He was a leading writer for the science section of the New York Times. And he wrote a 35-page, very thorough analysis. He was the one who first exposed first wasn't Rand Paul wasn't was him that first exposed how the money went to this so-called nonprofit in New York that was responsible for the Lancet letter that it was drafted and organized by Peter Daszak the president of Eco Health Alliance of New York his organization was funded to do coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology he was the one that pointed that out and said this letter is not doesn't point out the conflict of interest. <clears throat> and he wanted to point away from the lab leak. Then he goes into the second letter that was sent out also. A group of virologists led by Christian G. Anderson at the Scripps Research Institute. He says, another case of poor science in the sense of true some older methods of cutting and pasting virodromes. And he goes on about this. He was the one who pointed out that our government had funded some of this. And he was on our show, and that helped ignite all the backbenchers on TV and radio. Tom Cotton deserves credit. A lot of credit. He brought it up. He didn't have the scientific facts, but he used logic. And Donald Trump brought it up, too. And they attacked him immediately. But this guy's the real deal, and I'm bringing him back. And our second guest is the great Byron Donalds. Two great guests this Sunday. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month. Cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company. And then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy. Supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. 
Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L E V I N Podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. One minute. Can't do much in one minute, but I do want to tell you this. When we come back, you better worry about the medical profession. The admission system in our schools, our medical schools, is now as corrupt as anything else. And then uh, doctors now are being told by the Biden administration what kind of patients should be served first. Under the notion of equity, of course. Uh, And so the Hippocratic Oath has become a hypocritical oath. And I just want you to be alerted to this, particularly you seniors on Medicare and people on Medicaid. There is now a an understood priority system based on your pigmentation and your economic level. I want you to listen to this when we come back. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month. Cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company. And then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy. Supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is from PJ Media. The day your doctor won't treat you if you aren't the right kind of patient is closer than you might think, writes Robert Spencer. He's indispensable, by the way. Could the day come when you're denied medical treatment because you're white, male, or a member of some other group of oppressors? Of course it could. It's coming sooner than you might think, even in solidly red Tennessee, where Donald Trump won 60% of the vote in 2020. A new report has revealed... What the Tennessee Star on Friday called the pervasive infiltration of woke diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, ideologies, in Tennessee medical school curricula and programs. This, by the way, is happening all over the country, except one place in Florida where DeSantis is trying to stop it. Could this have an impact on the quality of your medical treatment? You bet your life. and You may end up having to do so. The report came from Do No Harm, an organization that is devoted to protecting patients, physicians, and healthcare itself from the practice of medicine based on discriminatory divisive ideologies. Do No Harm states that the same radical movement behind critical race theory in the classroom and defund the police is coming after healthcare, but hardly anyone knows it. 
One of those who, who do is John Saylor, a fellow at the National Association of Scholars, who published a chilling article in the tablet last Wednesday entitled, Welcome to America's Radicalized Medical Schools. The subtitle was, Forget about the oath to do no harm. Future doctors are being forced to swear allegiance to racial dogmas. Saylor noted that increasingly medical schools and schools of public health are enthusiastically embracing the values of DEI and instituting far-reaching policies to demonstrate their commitments to the cause. To many in the universities and perhaps in the country at large, these values sound benign, merely an invitation to treat everyone fairly. In practice, DEI policies are often, they often promote a narrow set of ideological views that elevate race and gender to matters of supreme importance. A key aspect of this initiative is a research methodology called public health critical race praxis, designed, as the name suggests, to apply critical race theory to the field of public health. The practical upshot of this is that conventional triage, which in emergency rooms prioritizes treatment based on the seriousness of each patient's condition, will go out the window. Instead, those who are considered part of victim groups will receive preferential treatment, while those who are part of what are designated as oppressor classes will go to the back of the line if they get treated at all. This is already happening. Saylor pointed out that during the height of the COVID pandemic, New York, Minnesota, and Utah issued guidance for allocating monoclonal antibodies that heavily prioritized racial and ethnic minorities. Dr. Jane Orion, Executive Director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, mints no words declaring that these programs should be called what they are, anti-white, anti-excellent, anti-science. And she's right. The prospects for reform are bleak. Orion explained that these programs are pervasive in organized medicine as well. The advocacy agenda of the American Medical Association, AMA, and others is completely woke and punishes dissent. The ultimate equity is equal immersion and death. This is going on now. This is particularly going to affect senior citizens who use the medical system more than other parts of the population. It's going on now. Boy, oh boy. Some days I just, I don't know what to tell you. And again, there's just so much to discuss here tonight that I'm going to keep moving. There's a piece in the Washington Post this evening. And it's skepticism before a search inside the Trump Mar-a-Lago documents investigation. Well, it was actually in December, but I wanted to point this out to you because I hadn't seen it. FBI officials had a lot to worry about again in December. In late July, as they discussed whether the search wanted Donald Trump's homes for evidence of crimes. I don't even remember this piece. Do you, Mr. Producer? Two concerns were paramount. Any search warrant could be authorized by the Attorney General himself, and they didn't want the former president to be a Mar-a-Lago when it happened. 
The FBI also was wary of the remote possibility of a blue-on-blue confrontation between federal agents searching the location and the Secret Service agents who guard the former president. Executing a search like that is sensational enough, I'm quoting. Doing it without the former president, there is probably the best good faith effort you can make to reducing the probability of it becoming even more sensationalized, said Jeffrey Cortese, a former FBI supervisor. I'm just reading ahead here. Leaders of the Justice Department were proceeding cautiously as well, agreeing with the FBI on these points, even as tensions sometimes flared between agents and prosecutors. Agents and prosecutors. The Mar-a-Lago case. There was no ladder for investigators to climb because the potential target was plainly Trump, suspected of taking highly classified documents. Let me cut to the chase here. And this isn't, again, to pat myself on the back. When I was chief of staff to the Attorney General of the United States, Edwin Meese, in the Reagan administration, there is no damn way in hell he would have authorized a search warrant of a former president's home under any circumstances that I can think of. I mean, unless they're selling secrets. But we're not talking about that. Certainly in this circumstance, would never have happened. In fact, if somebody came to him with that suggestion, whether out of the FBI or some prosecutor's office, he would have said, are you nuts? Are you out of your mind? Think of the damage you'll do to the country. And he would find ways to continue to press, press, press the former president or whomever for whatever they wanted. And I'll tell you what he would have done. He would have picked up the phone and called the former president and said, here's the situation. We need the documents and we're going to come get him on this date and this and so forth and so on. In other words, I'm confident Edward Meese would have picked up the phone and called Donald Trump, which is what Merrick Garland should have done. Instead of sending in an FBI SWAT team at sunrise. But they don't do that because they wanted a spectacle. And you look at how well they work with Biden's lawyers, with the multiple locations where they found classified information. Apparently with the University of Delaware, although that's that's real hush-hush right now. We're not learning a hell of a lot. Oh, they work so well together. But the way you see this panning out, the way you see this this playing out, would not have taken place in the Meese Justice Department. It would never have happened. He wouldn't have allowed it. Let alone prosecuting a former president for any of this stuff. It wouldn't have happened. They got a call from the National Archives. That doesn't force the Attorney General to do something. They have a recommendation from the FBI. That doesn't force the Attorney General to do something. Oh, well, we have these line prosecutors. Who cares? He would have said, I'm the Attorney General, and this is how we're going to handle it. Apparently, Bill Barr doesn't agree. Bill Barr would go in there with guns blasting. But that's not how Attorney General Meese would have done it. I am absolutely convinced of it. He would have said these guys are a little out of, out of their lane and absolutely out of control, and there's a bigger picture here. And he would have put his foot down and said no. There would have been leaks to the likes of Ruth Marcus of the Washington Post, who's a reprobate, and others. But Meese wouldn't have cared. 
he wouldn't have cared. It wouldn't have happened. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We just talked about this DEI with the medical schools and how they're destroying one profession after another, which means they're destroying medicine, they're going to destroy the law, they're going to destroy it all. The Marxists and the Democrats have fused. The Democrat Party is the home of American Marxism. And so here's USA Today, Zach Anderson. The headline is, Emotional Meeting Ends with DeSantis' New College of Florida Board Abolishing Diversity Office. So this is... So outrageous to USA Today and the other pukes and punks in the phony media that this is a headline story that DeSantis stands up to this idiocy. Tell me, how do they choose these so-called reporters at USA Today? Let's hope they do it by race and economic condition. New College of Florida's Board of Trustees abolished the office handling diversity, equity, and inclusion programs during a contentious and emotional meeting Tuesday that included testimony from students worried about a broad reshape by Governor DeSantis as making the schools unwelcoming to minorities. So if you oppose racism and you want merit, you're making schools unwelcoming to minorities. You got that? DeSantis appointed six members to the new college board on January 6th, in an effort to transform the school, putting the small Sarasota institution at the center of the GOP's nationwide pushback on education policies, I quote, aimed at supporting historically marginalized groups, including racial minorities and LGBTQ individuals. Uh, excuse me, I'm so sick of this. What they're promoting here is racial and sex discrimination. Period. These are, you know, affirmative action used to be illegal. This goes well beyond that. It goes well beyond that. And this is the dehumanization of people and the grouping of people. And this is why DeSantis, in my interview about his book, he said, this is why governors and others don't take this on, because they are, they are tacked, they are smeared. What they say is intentionally misrepresented. DeSantis has emerged as a key national figure in this debate 
after he pushed through legislation governing how K-12 schools discuss race and gender identity and recently prohibited an advanced placement course in African-American studies, which caused an uproar. That's not what happened. He prevents CRT and the sexualization of little kids in public schools. In other words, the status quo prior to a few years ago. That's what he's insisting on. That your kids aren't indoctrinated in perversion. And they're not indoctrinated in Marxism. And that the destruction of the nuclear family isn't the focus of science in elementary school. Is that so horrible? Advanced placement course, we discussed this. And isn't it amazing? Zach Anderson over at the USA Today, he doesn't really explain what took place with the advanced Uh, with the college board. He doesn't explain it because he is a deceitful, intellectually corrupt, low IQ, typical phony journalist. The governor is now taking aim at the university programs, eliminating diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, which have become a major flashpoint for conservatives. Flashpoint for conservatives. Oh. And, of course, he's Christopher Rufo on the board, and he's a prominent conservative activist who pushed at this first meeting to abolish diversity programs. Look, nobody's opposed to diversity, as is understood, but that's not what they mean. By diversity, they mean racial discrimination and affirmative privilege for some and affirmative disadvantage for others. It's this whole critical race theory ideology. It's the whole... American Marxist ideology. And DeSantis is one of the few governors who's saying, I'm not putting up with this. I am not putting up with this. Can you name another? I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 888 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Why did the IRS let Biden off the hook for his sketchy tax filing? Writes Christopher Jacobs, who is really good at the Federalist. 
He's been pointing this out a lot, and he's the one that really picked up on it first, I think. Apparently, the IRS doesn't listen to my advice, he said. Last summer, as Congress prepared to ram through a spending spree that included funding for 87,000 IRS employees, I noted that if the Democrats were interested in tracking down wealthy tax cheats, they should instead demand that the tax agency audit the current occupant of the White House to study his own dodgy tax history. And he was out there today, was Biden, saying that billionaires watch out, I'm going to get billionaires. And of course, many billionaires contribute dark money to him, to Media Matters, to other front groups for the Democrat Party. Notice they always have more money than the Republicans to run on. That comes from the billionaires. And many of these billionaires aren't capitalists. Many of these billionaires, they suck at the you-know-what, at the uh, straw of government. That's what they do. Now come claims from the White House that the IRS examined Biden's taxes, yet raised no red flags. That apparent development was not enough to prompt an analysis at a liberal think tank to say Congress should investigate what he views as the IRS's abdication of its duties regarding Biden's returns. But the question remains whether Republicans will get off their proverbial tails and actually do something about it. To give a brief background, this is important. In 2017, Biden and his wife Jill devised a scheme to funnel most of their book and speech income through two S-corporations, using a loophole that Biden's own administration now wants to eliminate. Taking most of that income as corporate profits rather than wages allowed the Bidens to avoid paying 3.8% in payroll taxes, the first 2.9% assessed by Medicare, and 0.9% levy imposed by Obamacare on the corporate profits. Overall, the strategy netted them over $500,000 in tax savings. So he talks about Medicare, and yet he, he evaded paying taxes into Medicare. They talk about Obamacare. And he evaded paying taxes into Obamacare. Then he talks about those who don't pay their fair share. And, of course, the American media, the, the American Pravda, they have the Praetorian Guard protecting this guy. This stuff has been laid out by this gentleman, Christopher Jacobs, over and over and over again. And let's hope the Republicans on the House Ways and Means Committee start looking into this. But numerous tax experts have raised questions about whether Biden not only used this loophole, but abused it. The question is whether Biden paid himself such a low salary in 2017 and 2018 because he wanted to avoid paying Medicare and Obamacare taxes on most of his income. Got that? Got that, liberals? As to violate IRS guidelines for, quote-unquote, reasonable compensation. He says, I filed a whistleblower complaint with the IRS about this issue last February a complaint that the service dismissed within weeks of receiving it. Now, in response to recent questions about whether Biden cheated on his taxes, the White House released a new statement to fact-finding or fact-checking organizations about this issue, claiming the IRS has examined the matter and found no fault with Biden's returns. This development comes with two noteworthy ironies. First, the White House has not publicly released any evidence via some type of communication from the IRS to substantiate this claim, yet the so-called fact-checking organizations 
apparently took the White House's statements at face value and failed to check the White House's facts. Second, anyone who dares to contradict the White House's statements could face criminal penalties for disclosing tax return information. It's a very nice way for the White House to control the information flow in which its statements can go unchallenged. White House's statement claims, in essence, that the Biden's book and speech income represents royalties from the licensing of their works, to which 3.8% Medicare tax does not apply, and that the IRS has blessed the Biden's interpretation of the tax law. But the White House's statement fails to distinguish between the Biden's tax situation now, when Joe Biden is president, his wife is first lady, from their tax situation when the S-corporations were first established in 2017 and 2018. In other words, they're not talking about 27 and 2018. Now, both experts interviewed by factcheck.org said they weren't buying the argument put forward by the White House. Steve Rosenthal, the Liberal Tax Policy Center, said the Biden situation was far different in 2017 and 2018 when writing and speaking engagements represented their full-time job. He specifically questioned why, when it was doing the 2021 audit, didn't the IRS go back to 2017 and 2018 and require the Bidens to make an adjustment by increasing their salaries and requiring them to pay the 3.8% tax for Medicare and Obamacare on the higher salary amounts. In other words, 2021, they had the presidential salary, that's all. Why didn't they go back to 2017 and 2018? The White House statement added that during the first routine audit of this administration, tax years 2017 and 18, they were discussed with the IRS, the service challenged nothing. The Tax Policy Center expert told factcheck.org that He disagreed with this development. He said, Rosenthal would like to know why the IRS didn't challenge the 2017 and 2018 returns. And he said that if he were the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, he would seek IRS records related to the discussions of the 2017 and 28 returns and the S-corporations to find out why the IRS didn't think an upward adjustment for the amount of the Bidens owed was warranted. So in short, an analysis at a left-of-center think tank, believes Joe Biden didn't pay his fair share of taxes in 2017 and 2018, questioned why the IRS let him off the hook and said Congress should investigate. I would again ask the House Ways and Means Committee and their chairman to investigate. And he asked, the only question is, why hasn't the new Republican majority in the House begun doing exactly that? And the answer... I don't know. Conservatives on Capitol Hill should be outraged on several levels. It demonstrates a double standard in which elite politicians get treated with kick gloves, allowing their mistakes or malfeasance to be swept under the rug. Does anyone in middle middle America believe that if they had problems in prior years' tax returns like the Bidens do, the IRS would fail to challenge their questionable behavior? It also illustrates... Now, the new IRS funding will be weaponized against ordinary Americans, including the middle class and small businesses, while Washington elites get off scot-free. It shows the hypocrisy of both Biden and the Democrats in Congress. Biden's going around claiming Republicans want to undermine Medicare while going out of his way, using methods that tax experts believe violate IRS guidelines to avoid paying Medicare taxes himself. 
newly armed with a House majority, Republicans of both chambers of Congress should absolutely investigate and demand answers. They should ask the Joint Committee on Taxation, Congress's nonpartisan research arm, to determine whether the Bidens violated reasonable compensation guidelines for 2017 and 2018. And if they believe the Bidens did violate those guidelines in those years, Congress should direct the committee to investigate the order that Bidens returns. Why did IRS employees not raise this issue? And just for good measure, why did the IRS ignore my whistleblower complaint about the issue? Republicans in the Senate should turn the pending nomination of Dana Werfer, W-E-R-F-E-L, as the next IRS commissioner into a referendum on how the service handled the Biden's returns. Don't hold your breath. We're talking about Senate Republicans. All Republicans should refuse to vote for the nominee unless and until the IRS provides more information about why the service didn't investigate the Biden's 2017 and 18 tax returns. You know what's amazing to me? The Democrats investigate Trump and Republicans at the drop of a hat when there's nothing. On the Bidens, there's evidence everywhere. There's DNA, there's fingerprints, there's breadcrumbs, there's everything. It's just unbelievable. But at a minimum, Republicans in Congress need to start asking some hard questions about why a politician with such questionable tax behavior got off scot-free. Conservative lawmakers have spent the past year railing against the new authorities and funding the IRS received and the Democrats' spending spree last summer. It's time for them to use this issue to take action on the matter. <clears throat> I don't know who the head of the Ways and Means Committee is. I'll find out. And I'd like to know what they are going to do about this. I mean, Trump was... Harassed for years. They said he committed crimes with his taxes. You get six years of his taxes. There's no crimes in there. There's nothing in there. And Mr. Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, that's his technical title, thought it was perfectly fine. They had a legislative purpose. Yeah, right. They were lame duck. They were leaving in 10 days. They get the tax returns. It's ridiculous, but they need to check out every aspect of the Bidens. Every aspect they need to look into. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We have any calls? Let's start going to some of the calls. I'm sick and tired of the news, to be perfectly honest with you. Do we have any, Mr. Producer? Yeah. KNST, Scott in Tucson, Arizona. Let's bring Scott aboard. Scott, how are you, sir? Speaker up for I'm well. How are you? Very good. I was in Tucson, Arizona in early February. Yes, I was. Well, I, I ate at... Uh, you have a hotel called the Congress there, don't you? In old Tucson? Yeah, Hotel Congress downtown. Yep. And I'm 
bumped into a couple friends there. Uh, it's apparently a wonderful restaurant. I didn't get to have dinner, but I had their pecan pie. It was fantastic. <laughs> Just thought I'd tell you. Anyway, go right ahead, my friend. But, uh, well, I want to talk about the uh, double whammy we have out here in Arizona. Uh, up in uh, Page, Arizona, we had the Navajo coal plant, and during the Obama administration, the EPA arbitrarily came out with a bunch of policies and uh, restrictions that the uh, coal plant... Uh-oh. Uh, that what? The, uh, the, uh, the coal plant couldn't afford to do the upgrades, and so they... Uh, shut it down, and by the time the judicial system determined that they were illegal uh, policies, uh, they actually leveled the coal plant. At the same time, we've been in a 20-something 20, 20 year drought, watching the water levels in Lake Powell and Lake Mead drain to the point of hydroelectricity is tough to, uh, tough to achieve right now. So we got All right, my friend. Here. I appreciate that. Thank you for your call. I'm not sure I understood all that because of the wind and so forth. All right. Uh, let me let me try something interesting here. And uh, what I will do is actually try and pull up the call screen because I think I can. In the meantime, Mr. Producer, do you have another regular or irregular American? Please. KRN Luis uh, from Little Rock, Arkansas. Go right ahead, please. Thank you, Mark. You bet. Uh, since uh, since Biden has taken over this presidency, every single day since then, this country has been in crises, on and on. Mm-hmm. And I think I personally think that the danger with this is even more profound because. Every time in history will show that every time this country is off balance as it is now, uh, it creates a whole bunch of crises all around the world, which mm-hmm. could lead, uh, which could, which could lead uh, this whole planet into some kind of horrifying chaos. And that, that's, that's my main worry now. Well, it's, you're right. And, and he's certainly done that. And, um, the damn fool thinks he's uh, he's the greatest president since Abraham Lincoln. It's unbelievable. He is absolutely uh, a disaster, and he's created a lot of crises here and abroad. I thank you for your call, my friend. Luis is exactly right. Now let's try Jeff. Raleigh, North Carolina, Sirius Satellite. Jeff, go right ahead, please. Mark, my yeah. friend, how are you doing tonight? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, I wanted to complain a little bit about inflation and about how people how seem dare to you? not understand the numbers about inflation. So Go ahead. I keep hearing people say uh, prices are coming down. Can we make the are- caller a little louder, maybe? Go ahead. Pardon me? Talk Go a little ahead. louder? No, we're all right. Yes. I keep hearing people say that prices are coming down, prices are coming down, inflation's declining. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not. because we're lapping some huge numbers from last year. If I'm not mistaken, when when Biden took over in January of 21, inflation was one and a half percent. Yeah. Then in January 22, inflation was seven and a half percent. And now in January of 23, inflation is quote unquote 
gone down to six and a half percent. But that's garbage. The cumulative number is 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 almost fourteen, fifteen percent. And people keep talking about how. Now, where do you get the cumulative number from? I thought what you were going to say is that means that inflation is five to six times higher, five to six times higher than it was when he took took over. Well, what I'm saying is that you had seven and a half percent over what it was when he got in office, and then another six and a half percent on top of that since he took over. Oh, so the cumulative effect. Years, now, that's a good point. Yep. No, yeah, you're right. And nobody talks about that. Everybody, everybody keeps saying that you know inflation's coming down. No, it's not. It's because we're laughing mm-hmm. these huge numbers that took place last year, mm-hmm. and it's just it. it they're, they're gaslighting people. Yeah, but this is a very important point you're making, and I just want to underscore it and see if I can uh, really uh, focus in on it. You're saying, look, if the rate went up 9% last year, and it's gone up another 6.5% this year, then from the base year when it was 1.5%, you're talking about the price of whatever it is, a widget, a box, a, a hammer, has now gone up 14 to 15%. From two years ago. That's exactly right. And you are right on. That is a great point. Very, very well said. That's exactly right. And I don't only want to get into this core inflation garbage because core inflation carves out energy, food, and And clothing. What else is is more core than that? I don't know. Seems to me that that should be the core and the rest of it less so. Thanks for your call, Jeff. Really great calls, and we'll keep at it. I'll be right back. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Liberty's voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. By the way, I do know that Lori Lightweight did lose in the Windy City. That's a good thing for the people of Chicago. Now, there's one guy running there on a law and order ticket. I don't know who it is. You folks in Chicago do. You need to vote for that guy desperately. And he's talking about making sure that the police officers have the support they need, the financing they need. Maybe you can get your city back. Maybe at least start to get your city back. Now the lightweight is gone. And she was the first black lesbian mayor in the history of Chicago. So I want to congratulate her. Uh, for being the first black lesbian mayor in the history of Chicago. And by the way, she's the first black lesbian mayor in the history of Chicago not to win re-election. So there's that historic first, too. But I think when your kids are murdered in cold blood, I think when your business is ruined, I think when you can't let your kids play outside, you can't send them to safe schools, I don't think you really care about race, and lesbianism. I know I don't. 
Hey, listen, that's a white guy uh, who's straight. I don't care. He's still a loser. So for the left, for the left in the media, for the left in colleges and universities, for all those boneheads, that's the key issue. Because they are not facing what people are facing every day in the streets and in their schools and so forth. Safety's number one. No offense. Your gender preference uh, isn't even in the top ten. Hello, that's true. And nobody cares. Live and let live, but at least live, for God's sakes. Let's continue with some calls, shall we? Yes, we can. Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Jimmy, go ahead, please. Hello, Mark. I watched the most of the hearings yesterday on the threat from China. Something very strange about our government. As you know, basic Marxism, basic Marxism. What Marxism is, Marx wrote about the stages of development. When societies are formed, you end up with a slave society. After slavery, you go on to feudalism. After feudalism, you go on to capitalism. You have to go through full capitalist development before you could go on to socialism and communism. And I hear all these Republicans yesterday saying that they thought 40 years ago that China going capitalist, they're going to go democratic. What they didn't understand, China was going back to Marxism. Mao skipped the stage of development. Communists know you have to go through capitalist development before you can get to socialism and communism. This is why communists in America think it'll be an easier transition here because we already have fully developed capitalism. Therefore, it would be a lot easier to transition to socialism because we're already fully developed. This is basic stuff. In fact, I sent to uh, Rich Valdez, who used to work for you, I sent, you, sent him that stuff was written in 2006 when actually it's basic Marxism goes back over 100 years. And another thing, weaponizing government departments to neutralize the opposition, that's what the Soviets did in Czechoslovakia, 1948. And the communist historian from Czechoslovakia wrote a how-to book, how to do it. That got translated into English. You could get it on the inter- online. It's like 85 pages. And not a shot was fired by Jan mm-hmm. Kozak. So we have here, we had the IRS, OSHA, the U.S. intelligence, all weaponized against the opposition. It's being carried out to the letter. Mm -hmm. And that was also written about in the American Communist Party publication several years ago, that when we get power, we meaning the communists, we're still going to have the courts, we're still going to have the Justice Department, we're still going to have everything. Yeah, basically, basically, Grimshi, Italian communist, early 20s and 30s and others, you're correct. But he's one of the keys uh, in terms of the intellectuals. Antonio Gramsci. Gramsci. And what he said was, you can't have a violent revolution because the middle class in the United States doesn't support it. you got to devour the culture one piece at a time. In other words, for a democracy, you've you've got to break it off chunk by chunk by chunk. And that's exactly what they've done. That's exactly what they're doing. All right, Jimmy. Thank you, my friend. Keep it up, baby. Let's take another call, shall we? Let's go to Susan, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Yes, Susan. Mark, well, what you were speaking about before about 
the um, health situation um, in our country. But right now, there is a worldwide coup going on to give authority to the World Health Organization um, through international law, the international health regulations, which the amendments are trying to be or are being secretly changed, which would put us under the world and change the world, the way the World Health Organization is supposed to be an advisory or recommendation. And they're changing the, the, the language. Who's doing it? Who's doing it? Where is it being done? I believe in Geneva right now. Last no, no, no. Week. I mean, but our bureaucracy, Biden, Congress, what? Well, no, it would be delegates that Biden has um, appointed. They're unknown names. They have no accountability. All the countries that are involved in this, which unfortunately, uh, Donald Trump got us out of the World Health Organization, and the, you know we are back in through our brilliant Biden, and they are working on a worldwide coup to put us under um, through the international health regulations if they vote and our delegates uh, join with the rest of this. It's, it's now, very- are you 100% sure of this? Because I haven't read this in the New York Times or the Washington Post, and I would expect Maggot Haberman and Jeremy and his Peters and all these other reporters, I would assume that they're on top of this, No. No, and may I give you a... a, 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 So you can do whatever you want to do quickly. Yes, James. Well, no, 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 I don't want names on the air. I I just have no way of verifying. But I I do appreciate your call, and we'll look into this. That's the best I can do. We will look into it. I'm not aware of it. If it's going on, I want to be aware of it. I don't put anything past them anymore. I used to just blow this stuff off. I won't. I'll look at it and see if it's uh, if it's occurring. And if it is, we need to talk about it. There's no question about that. Let's go to Nick Fairfield, California, the great KSFO. Hello, 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 hello. Hey, Mark, it's Nick. Nick, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Um, so I, I was telling the screen caller, you know, uh, couple things but i just want to say from my heart i genuinely feel like you're a friend of mine listening to oh, you when you. i get off work it, it just takes it just it, it's it's a breath of fresh air so thank you from the bottom of my heart and i just wanted to ask you a question well thank you my um, friend thank you very much um it, it's it's semi-personal but on the surface really um mm-hmm. you know with, with your intelligence and your knowledge and, and, and everything that you know I really want to know how do you how do you decompress, Mark? Like how do you how do you deal with with the how do you how do you deal with being knowing you have to be patient, knowing like you know your voice is so strong. And I'm 39 years old, and I I don't know everything, and that's why I listen to you. And um, I just I just want to know how do you how do you decompress with knowing you have so much responsibility and you you just. Yeah, you're just an incredible person, Mark. Well, first of all, you're very kind, and you're overly gracious. And secondly, sometimes I can't. 
And so then I'll become moody and impatient. Uh, but luckily, I have a family, especially a wife, that will gently tell me that I've become moody and impatient. Uh, but there are things I do, like uh, when I'm in Florida, I love to just look at the ocean. Uh, when I'm done with this program, even though there are people on texting me, emailing me, wanting to continue to discuss, but I say no. I have to have a break for a few hours. I have to have a break because you can't function with the negativity that's going on in the world every single minute of the day. Um, but I probably put up with that stuff more than most. But I at least need a few hours, particularly after this show, where I can't and I don't. I don't want it. But otherwise, I'm pretty well ensconced in it. And... Um, I guess what keeps me going is what keeps most of you going. Family, country, and uh, if we don't keep fighting and keep pushing and keep speaking to one another, then who will? Then we're going to lose it. So, in terms of decompression, I don't know if you've noticed. Do you watch my TV show? Uh, you know, honestly, I, I tell myself I'm going to at least once a week, and I... I like I said, I fill up on your on Well, your that's okay. Here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. And I'll just be honest. You say I'm your friend and you're my friend. Or sometimes I will gain weight or lose weight. For instance, if I'm thinking about something, writing about it, preparing for it, working on the book and so forth and so on, I might start eating crap. So I have gained I'm not going to tell you what I weigh, but I've gained 30 pounds. People see me on TV, they can see it. And now i got to work to take it off. So there are things like that that are not good uh, that I need to, you know, that I try to deal with. But basically, you know, family stuff, that kind of thing. I wish I could do more of it. I don't do enough of it in terms of decompressing. And so I think that's why from time to time I'm told, although I, I have to wonder. Uh, that I can be impatient, moody, and so forth, like everybody else. So that's not a very good answer, but it's a very good question. I need to think about it. Nick, you're a good man. God bless you, my brother. You be safe out there in KSFO country. What a great call. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Susan from New York was mostly right. It's a release from Senator Ron Johnson. He introduced the No WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty Without Senate Approval Act. And this legislation would require any convention or agreement resulting from the work of the World Health Organization's intergovernmental negotiating body be deemed a treaty requiring the advice and consent of a supermajority of the Senate. The legislation comes on the WHO continues to move the pandemic treaty process forward. Expected to formally present a draft to member states later this month. And after the Biden administration's failed COVID-19 response, the WHO's mismanagement of the pandemic, Americans remain skeptical of continuing infringements on personal liberties and freedoms. The legislation will provide more transparency in WHO agreements and a constitutional check on the administration. So it does look like Joe Biden wants to enter into a treaty without having a treaty uh, that confers an enormous amount of sovereignty to the WHO. Uh, and so 
Uh, let's hope that the Republicans fight it. The bill is co-authored by Grassley, Haggerty, Barrasso, Lee, Blackburn, Rick Scott, Hooven, Rubio, Cruz, Danes, Tillis, Cotton, uh, Mike Braun, Tupperville, Tupperville rather, Marshall, and Britt. Every Republican should be on this. Where the hell is Mitch McConnell? What is with this Mitch McConnell? What is with this schmo? So it is taking place, with respect to pandemics at least, but you know it won't just stay there. So I want to thank Susan for alerting us to that. Will somebody uh, get a hold of Gutfeld and tell him it's pronounced Levin? I happen to think he knows this. It's not Levin, not Levine, Levin. Levin, Levin. That's it. And somebody contact Gutfield and tell him that, would they, Mr. B? Would you contact Gutfield and tell him that, please? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, our, our friends in Taiwan and, and Ukraine, the freedom fighters, and mostly you. I'm deeply blessed to have you in this audience. And boy, do I know it. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Take care.